Bull covered for me very well when he said at the point of announcements that he didn't have, we didn't have, we, the collective community, didn't have the notes for the small groups or the questions. I simply forgot to do them. So I, I, I meant to, I really did, um, and I didn't, and he said we. So I appreciate that, but um, I just forgot to do them. I will be on it, and I will be doing them. Now that I say that for public accountability, hopefully I do. I'll do my best to get them. What I do want you to think about in, in this text is when we walk through this text this morning, we're going to see on the one hand, the approach that I'm taking to this text is what I want us to think in terms of, for our time this morning, is what condiments should be receiving from the church. Be thinking of that kind of in terms. When you, when you come this morning, when you come last, when you came last Sunday morning, when you come next Sunday morning, what is it that a congregant should be expected to receive in the work of the ministry? And then as minister and ministers from this text, what ought we be doing and providing for the congregants when they come to receive? So the burden is twofold. Uh, and, and you'll notice that it, maybe in the reading of the words so far, you already saw it. Peter says, hey, are you saying all of them? Are you saying it's for everybody or are you saying it's for us? And you notice he didn't give an answer like, well, for you. Neither did he say, well, for everybody. He gave a response that I didn't directly address. That's where we're going to go. But you notice at the end, it's not just to the ministers that he's speaking. Notice verse 48, where we'll conclude this morning. 48b, technically, where he starts, everyone. So in the end, no matter where we go with the, the, the content leading up to it or, 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 or how we get there, in the end, both minister and congregant, the church, all believers, everyone, verse 48, to whom much was given, of him much will be required. So we might make distinctions in this conversation between what we're doing together, but in the end, we see Regardless of a man's station in life, or a woman's station in life, everyone, as a believer, is accountable to the Lord in the light of the Lord. I want to address the text in three points. Um, let me give them to you up front and uh, warn you. Well, I was doing this a few weeks ago, and I think I scared everyone in here because I started with three, I was saying something in three or four points, I don't recall what it was. But my wife addressed it at lunch, that I scared everyone the entire time because I was starting with these three or four points and I spent an, uh, you know, an, uh, a disproportional amount of time on point one and I had two points to go and everybody's thinking, are we really going two more rounds? <laughs> um, so, so I'll warn you up front, I'm going to address the, the entire text, most of the text in point one, so this will be maybe a little long. Point two will be a medium length of time, and point three will end up being our shortest, so don't worry. I'm really long on one. We won't be here all day, but I'm stealing my own time. But realize, point three, I will land the plane in point three without doing another thing. Okay? <laughs> but let me give you our three points. Point number one, from this text, I hope we both will receive and rest upon. Um, point number one, the command of Christian readiness. That, that, that's what we're going to see in this text, is the command. It's not an option. Um, and, and again, I'm addressed, addressing in the text as the text is addressed enough as Christians this morning. This is a, a conversation to the Church of Christ. 
There's a command for or to Christian readiness. Point number two that we'll address, and, and this is of, of great significance for us this morning, is the primary challenge. This is point number two, the primary challenge to Christian readiness. So first we start with the command to Christian readiness. Then the primary challenges each of us are facing in being obedient to the command of being ready. And then thirdly, we will crash land into strategies for maintaining and cultivating a spiritual readiness. Strategies for maintaining and cultivating a spiritual readiness. Because there's a command, there's a challenge. We as a people need to respond with strategy to be obedient to the command and face the challenge. That's how the text is going Back to point number one that we get started, the command to Christian readiness. Notice the text that was read for you in verse 35 and 36. I want to show how it's being developed. Verse 35, stay dressed for action. This is a command. This is what he's saying to you and I this morning underneath the weight of this word. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for the master to come home. Now, again, he says, from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once. Be ready, right? Be dressed for action. Keep your lamp lit, because he's going to come right when he's there. Not later, not in some deferred time, but right at once. Be ready to welcome him to the door of God. This is not an option. Right? Well, some of us will be ready, and the rest of us won't. It's not for me. It's maybe for my neighbor. But no, no, no. If you confess Christ this morning, this is his word to you in this text. Be ready. Now, let me define Christian readiness. Because I said the command here is a command to Christian readiness. What is Christian readiness? Again, I'm looking at the text saying, stay dressed, keep your lamps burning, and be eagerly awaiting the master's return. What would we define then in this sense of staying dressed? What does that mean to keep your lamp burning? What is, he, what is the picture that he's painting here of a Christian who is staying and maintaining a spirit of readiness? I would define it this way. Living a life of spiritual vigilance and disciplined preparedness. Waiting for the redemption of Jesus Christ. We sang about it even just moments ago. The return of our Lord. That the, the song crescendos with his return. And the challenge of the Christian is maintaining that sense of eagerly awaiting that moment of redemptive return. If it wasn't a challenge, he wouldn't say that stay dressed, keep your lamp lit, wait eagerly. If it was given, you fought me out the world, and you'd have no challenges to do those things. Again, notice now how the whole text is working in the entire conversation. Jump up just a little bit. Because the, the challenge would be, if we start at verse 35, we say verse 35, how do we start from zero and stay ready? How do we just stand up right now and keep our legs lit? How do, we, how do we have such an eager mentality? Do we just cook it up from nowhere? Do we just stand up and reinvigorate ourselves? No, he already addressed it. In other words, he already addressed 
what the lights of Shakeism How so? Look at the passage, verse 33. Just look up a little bit, because again, in the whole context, look at verse 33. So, I'll, I'll jump up to 32. Fear not. This, this is to you, the people of God. Fear not, Lord. What is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with what? With money bags that do not grow old. Now, you know, right there, you know he is not speaking of this age, right? Because your money bags, they will grow old in this age. So he, he is driving you to the age that is to come. Fear not in this age. Fear not. He says, but provide yourselves money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail you. There in the heavens where it cannot fail you, it cannot fail you because no thief even approaches. And no moth can destroy it. There's no moth that's going to put the holes in the money bags. They're heavenly money bags. Well, what do you mean? Well, to where your treasure is, there will be your heart. Therefore, verse 35, pilgrim on the way, I want to live with my affections on heaven. I want to live in this age as I journey toward heaven. Verse 35, stay dressed for action. As one of the little flock, keep your lamp burning, shining. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come. Be not you. See, the affections already set in the age that is to come. And so the result to a heart that awaits the return of the Lord, if your treasure is there, Jesus says, there will be heart also. And so as you pass this time, with your treasure set where it needs to be, not here, cultivating, keeping, strategizing, but your true longing is for the age that is to come. But the result will be a life of spiritual Anything that contends with those affections, you will destroy and despise. You will fight against. No one is fighting against you. Stay alert. Keep your lamps burning as you await the redemptive return of Christ. Missionary Jim Elliot, we have said this before, but the heavenly logic of the passage, your affections are Notice the attached blessing of this life 
of spiritual vigilance and discipline for parents. Notice there's a blessing attached to it. I'll begin in verse 35. Follow with me what our Lord is saying to you, Stay dressed for action. Keep your eyes firm. Be like men who are waiting for the mask to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Verse 37, look what our Lord says to each. Blessed are those servants who the master finds a willing when he comes. Truly, as in, he will dress himself for service. <coughs> Do you see what? Read the text very carefully with me. Zero in on this in 37 and 38. What is the blessing? Blessed are those servants who are eager, who are ready, who welcome. When the master finds them awake, what is the blessing? Well, he will dress himself. That is, the master will dress himself for service. And then he will have them, the servants, recline at the table at ease and come and serve. You see the divine blessing placed upon children who remain vigilant, eager, and watchful as they pass their children's problems in the years to come. Our Lord pledges to divinely nourish and satisfy the world in these lives. That's what He'll do when you open the door for Him to nurture. He's returning.
there's also those of the text look as well. In verse 39, it's not just a path. He also brings forth a warning. Not just a blessing that he will serve, he will nourish, he will help and aid and heal, but he will also bring with him the word of judgment. Look at verse 39 of the passage. But know this. You see, there, there are two paths. Stay dressed. The Lord will serve and nourish. Also knew this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken. And then this word on Christian is verse 40. You must be ready. You see, without getting into who's the thief and who's being robbed and how is this working, let's stick with the simple picture that's being painted here. Again, verse 39, notice, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not left his house to be broken into. Pretty straightforward, right? I mean, um, there's so many people in the other town around me now, and I have to call just to leave the keys in the left. It's pretty simple and straightforward, right? Consider the simple picture, is that there are those who are not paying attention in this Some could care much less than they do. Some have no attention to it whatsoever. Some others are found indifferent to the gospel. Not caring or thinking about what is to come beyond the immediate moment. Jesus is willing to hear those who awake up. Come home to your front door swallow and turn the lights on when it gets dark. That's the picture. Here you have stay ready, stay focused, be disciplined. And you have one here, like, otherwise, if you're not paying attention, you're not focused, you're not following, you're not planning, you're not going to any favor. You're just out to lunch spiritually. Out to lunch. You will come home to find. Maybe later. Maybe. No, 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 no. Now you must deal with the gospel. 
ready as a servant now for the Son of Man, that is Jesus Christ, is coming at an hour you don't expect. You see, the urgency to readiness this morning is being strengthened here of our enemies. I'll just let you think about it this afternoon. Let's think about it together now. <coughs> the Son of Man is coming to you. You don't know. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You can't calculate your life in earth balance value. You. You, you can't defer repentance to another time. Because you don't know. Neither control That's your call to urgency. I'll get serious in my Christian life later. Nothing says do it today. Well, I have a few other things. I need to sow some wild oats in a little bag. You need to be ready because you won't know the time Christian readiness 
put this to you to examine and think about. One conservative Anglican theologian says this, quote, there is no safe place in the world or in our churches within which to be a Christian. It is a human. Did you get that? Consider the emphasis one more time. This is the primary challenge that I want to develop just for a few moments. As I said, point two, we're through point one. We're in the medium section. What is important? Again, a conservative Anglican theologian says, quote, there is no safe place in the world. Okay, fine, no big deal. Or in the church. That is it. Within which to be a Christian. It is a new I give you that quote because this is where I want to develop the text just for another couple of moments. And that is, it is worth noting what he himself is touching on here. Because I would put forward in that same vein, the text not here, Redeemer, nonetheless, it is a word to us here, Redeemer. But we're thinking beyond just Redeemer, and we're thinking about our brothers and sisters or those who call themselves Christian, including us, the whole church we consider, that the primary challenge to Christian readiness, to take the text seriously at verse 35 without zoning out and not doing anything on it, through faith. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamp lit. Be waiting for the Lord. How do we take that seriously? How do we do so? Why aren't we taking it seriously? And it would be, I think, my, my, I would put forward to you the primary reason why we don't take that very seriously, is not the philosophy of secularism. Oh, it's secularism. It's taking root. The, the, the whole church is overcome by it. So that's why none of us take this very seriously. None of us are really all trying to stay ready. Because secularism, or I would say that is not the primary attack to Christian readiness, neither is a covetous spirit of materialism. As bad as that is. Secularism. Perspective on everything. Materialism drives people to overspend, overindulge, hurt their neighbor in order to acquire items. That is not the primary challenge of Christian readiness. Rather, I would look forward to you just the next couple of moments. So the primary challenge of Christian readiness is the loss of the prophetic voice of the church. That, I think, is the biggest burden of the church this morning. Why we don't take seriously how to grow and be dressed for action. How to keep lamp burning. How to wait eagerly for the Lord. Because the church has lost its prophetic voice. What do I mean by prophetic voice? It is not a sanctimonious way of the church standing up and saying whatever it wants, about whatever it wants. Rather, the prophetic voice of the church is to make clear the teaching, explaining, admonishing, encouraging.
How long would you be like, well, I have a little bit of this, and it's kind of completely severed from my life in Christ, but I'm also convinced by a few of these things that are taught in the Bible. And Elijah said, how long will you go living between two opinions? He says, if the Lord is God, follow If Baal, then follow him. You see, the preaching and teaching of the church itself lacks the seriousness of Elijah to call the people of God to make a commitment to Christ, to repent of sin. Brush over it. Don't address it. Allow folks to maintain a sense of optimism. Elijah stands before the people of God and says, Well, how long will you live between two opinions? Half committed to both, which really equals no commitment to either. If the Lord is God, if that's your confession, Leave the door. And if Baal, then follow him. The church, in many ways, at this moment, lacks the seriousness of the law, of what God has taught us, and fails in many ways to live the life of the gospel demands. That's the kind of challenge. This is becoming increasingly evident as we watch the church together follow more and more social and cultural values without taking time to think theologically or to act biblically in relationship to them. A book published in 2005 entitled The Lost in Translation. Now, again, I said 2005, and I'm moving to point number three really well. A book published in 2005 entitled in translation, the dark side of emerging adulthood. Included a survey within it of 18 to 23 year olds. I think, I think everyone's past 23 in, in the congregation. I think maybe there's some. Yeah, well, well, the youngest, of course, not. This is the youngest. I don't know. Of course, is a, 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 the moral beliefs of 18 to 23 year olds who identified on the survey, granted, they identified on the survey as Christian. And the findings reveal this quote only 40% of those samples said that their personal moral beliefs were grounded in the Bible or some other religious sentiment. 40%. I'm a Christian. How are your morals shaped and formed? What is your life like? Well, Vaguely on something taught in the Bible before, and generally on other things. 40%. I'm a Christian. But the Bible's kind of way over there, and I'm way over here. And Jesus cries out, Stay here. Love your life. Be vain. 
The study concluded by saying, quote, many of these Christians are actually committed more to the Christians. We neither know nor practice up here at Bible Days. Where does this come from? Secularism. Oh. Where does it come from? Materialism. No. It's failing to be cultivated in the church of Christ. What should congregants expect when they come? To hear the word of the Lord. What should ministers prepare to do? Provide the word of the Lord. When you're 18 to 23 years old, and you grew up, and you identify as Christian, and only very small bits of your life are shaped by the teachings of Holy Scripture, the church has a significant problem. Think about our little ones here in the middle. Are we cultivating and maintaining a life of spiritual discipline and growth in the gospel to avoid such an In summary of point two, and I will quickly repeat, instead of staying dressed for action, keeping our lamps lit and waiting for our master arrive, we the church in America have been slowly but surely replacing biblical orthodoxy with a pseudo-Christianity. That is only tediously, and I mean tediously, connected to the actual historical Christian gospel. It didn't happen overnight. So point three is strategies. How do we avoid it and strategies to maintain a spirit of holiness? Look quickly at the text as I conclude verse 41. Peter's hearing the same thing as we're talking about. Because he's hearing, he's hearing this sense of, of imminency, return, discipline, growth, and cultivation, and life obvious. And so Peter, hearing this urgency, replies very naturally in verse 41. Peter says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us? That the disciples of us, just, just like the subcategory, are for everyone this year. Like the own crowds. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? Think about what Peter is hearing right now. Think about it just for a moment. Right? So, so he doesn't say, I'm talking to you, Peter, or I'm talking to everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, listen. We're talking to everybody. He says just this. He says, Who? Who then is the faithful and wise manager? Whom his master, so that that would be Christ, right? And it's, it's clear there's only one Lord, only one master in this parable. And, and so he says, whom the master will set over his household. 
So now you have three individuals here. You have a wise manager, you have a master, and you have a household. What is the work of the manager? Or might I give away my conclusion? What is the work of the minister? To give his fellow servants their portion of Are you talking to us or to everybody? Well, to all of us. We'll start with you here. Who's the faithful manager? Well, we know who the master is. Who's the faithful manager? And, and that faithful manager manages and serves what the master's duties to the fellow servants in the house. He's a manager. He's not a master. The minister's not the master. He's a fellow servant. But he's required to be faithful. And who is the faithful servant? Who is the faithful manager that serves and nourishes the household? He who provides them with their food at their proper time. Verse 43 Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes to call to the minister. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed to come to the out, it doesn't matter. Let's defer the preaching and the teaching, the discipleship and the catechism. Let's defer, let's wait, let's don't talk to the church about it. Let's just cruise control. My master is delayed to come to the Verse 45. And brings to beat the male, begins to beat the male female servants. Master of that servant will come at day he does not expect him, at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unmasked. And a servant who clearly masters will. So we find one of them an irrevocable loss. It's a pseudo minister. And he suffers irrevocable loss. And then we have another type of minister, verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will. Did not carry or act according to that will which he knew. And we see this again. But the one who did not know did what deserved to be received from Either way, he will do what he has. He will suffer loss. Are we just talking about ministers here? says to you, Peter, with my boots. What are the boots? Think about it. Just for a moment, I am proud of the boot. I'm, I'm crash landing late. <laughs> what are the master's boots that he gave to the servant to give? Word, sacrament, prayer, and discipline. These are what make a true church. To give fellow servants their true and proper portion. Serve the people of God. And in the end, no matter what, it's both, right? It's Peter and the crowd. How do we know that they're included and you're included and I'm included and all of us this morning are included in this text? 
and so in 15, verse 48. Everyone. Stay blessed where I should. Everyone. Keep your lamps burnt. Everyone. Wait for the master to come. Because to everyone to whom much was given, You're a part of a Christian community. The Spirit is alive and working among you. To everyone of this little flock, to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they trusted much, they will.